Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God's way is a descending way. And love comes down to us in Jesus Christ, God's own Son. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And therefore, and because of that, when it comes to conversion and how Jesus makes disciples of us, we acknowledge here that God does all the verbs. Whether we are talking about God creating or God redeeming or God sanctifying, it's God who does it all. Some years ago, I was invited to join the board of directors for a pregnancy center. And during my interview, I was asked to give my testimony. And if you've traveled in evangelical circles, uh, like I have to some degree, you know what that means. The general expectation is that you tell your story about how you came to Christ and how you became a Christian. Usually it involves some sort of crisis situation and then making a conscience, conscious decision to follow Jesus. And there's no need to dismiss those stories, too. The Holy Spirit obviously works in people's lives through unique circumstances, and He calls people to faith in the Gospel, and we give God thanks for that. But as Lutherans, who place a priority on the Scriptures, we've got a tendency to emphasize certain realities about Christian conversion. Namely, the gift of baptism, the means of grace, and the work of God alone who creates and sustains faith in the gospel. So, Mr. Larson, give us your testimony. I answered, well, on Sunday, April 21st, 1985, my father Kevin and my mother Sherry, they quite literally carried me, carried me to church. It was the day of my baptism. They placed me into the arms of a pastor. And the pastor placed me into the arms of Jesus. And in the font, there I was washed. All my sins washed away. And at that moment, I became God's child. I was joined to the death and resurre resurrection of Jesus. And I became a son of my Father in heaven. Now, the story may have been a slight let down to those other folks who were perhaps looking for something a little more flashy, but that's just what I had. And I know many of your stories might be the same. As a baby, a father and mother carried me to Jesus. Simple as that. Now I'm comforted by the fact that the paralytic in today's gospel may have had to at one time or another give pretty much the same testimony. Same testimonial. He's not exactly an infant, but he may, may as well be. He doesn't have control of his own body. Can't walk. He likely needs help even getting to and from the bathroom and all that help that goes along with that. He's as helpless as a baby, but thankfully he's not without friends. And some good friends, too. The paralytic have the sort of friends that will carry you, carry you to Jesus. And that's exactly what they did. 
They literally carry the man to Jesus. And when they did so, Jesus is surrounded by a huge crowd, but they don't give up either. In fact, they even do something which might seem a little crazy. They climb up on a roof with the paralyzed man, and they start tearing off the shingles, and they make a hole in the roof. And with ropes, they lower the paralyzed man right down to Jesus. That's faith. That's evangelism at its finest, carrying someone you love to Jesus. I see this all the time in this congregation, especially with the students, the university students. They invite their friends to church all the time. They quite literally carry them in their cars to hear God's word and to bring them to the feet of Jesus. They're just like those faithful friends in today's gospel. And lives are surely changed as sinners come into the presence of the living God and find healing. Therefore, let each and every one of us learn from these faithful friends and continue to carry whomever we can into the presence of Christ, that they too may find help. So besides the example of those faithful friends, what else should we remember today? I want you to think about the first words to that paralyzed man. Words which were the very source of his healing and restoration. Now you may have heard this Bible story a hundred times already, so maybe the strangeness of it all is a little lost on you, but I want you to think about it. A paralyzed man, that is his arms don't work, his legs don't work, his body doesn't do what it's supposed to do. A paralyzed man is brought to Jesus. And rather than immediately fixing him up, Jesus does the greater miracle and immediately proclaims to him the forgiveness of sins. He proclaims to him forgiveness. Don't you see the strangeness of it? Well, imagine going to your cancer doctor and rather than getting the treatment that you planned on, the doctor instead places his hands on your head marks you with the sign of the Holy Cross and forgives you all of your sins in the name of Christ. What would you think about that? Confusion? Maybe a little disappointment, maybe? Now, I don't think I've ever met another Lutheran pastor who didn't have some dear parishioners occasionally frustrated with him for preaching forgiveness week in and week out, and then accusing him of dropping the ball on the practical day-to-day -day stuff, the life hacks that they were hoping to get on a Sunday morning. Happens all the time. But here's the deal. Jesus isn't interested in doing little fix-up jobs on people. He's interested in rescuing the whole person, saving the whole person, both body and soul, for all eternity. You see, that paralyzed man, like each and every one of us, will someday stand before the judgment seat of Christ on the last day. And he and us will give an account, a reckoning, for all that we have done in these bodies of ours. And guess what? A little fix-up job here and there in our lives isn't going to do it. Complete and total healing is what you'll need on that day. And by that, we're talking about complete and total forgiveness. 
won by Jesus and signed, sealed, and delivered by that precious and holy blood. So I don't want you to be disappointed each week when you're carried by friends or by angels into the presence of God. And the Savior again and again announces the forgiveness of sins won for you. Because here's the thing, whether you're suffering from mental anguish, or whether your marriage is on the rocks, or whether your job is miserable, or whether you're suffering from terminal cancer, forgiveness of sins is always, always, always the answer. Because where there is forgiveness of sins, there is life and there is salvation, and there is an open door to heaven. And that's the healing that you need. And I want you to just imagine, right now, even if God immediately, right now, this very day, removed your affliction, whatever it is that you're suffering right now, I don't want you to think that's the ultimate healing, the the ultimate answer that you need, because it's not. It can't be. Because someday still, you'll stand before God and His judgment seat, and your whole life will be an open book. But for those whose sins have been forgiven, who belong to Christ, whose names have been written in the book of life, that will be a blessed and wonderful day. And our dear Lord will speak the same words to you that he spoke to the paralytic in today's gospel. Get up. Get out of your bed. Rise from your grave and go home. Enter into the joy of your master. And then on that day, At last, we will see clearly that every affliction, every loss, every pain, every sickness, even paralysis, even death itself, was intended to glorify God and to point us and others to our Redeemer, our Savior. That's what suffering is all about. Folks, lots of great stuff going on in our Old Testament reading today with Jacob's ladder. It reached all the way up to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And the Lord stood above it all and promised to send his Son to be a blessing to all people. The main thing to consider here is that you don't have a God who expects or even wants us to ascend up to him. Instead, in great mercy, he descends, comes down, right down to us. You see, the ladder in Jacob's dream, it wasn't for climbing up. It was the means by which the Lord came down to bless us all. And this event in, of Jacob's ladder, it finds its fulfillment in Christ, who descended from his throne in heaven all the way down here to save us. And by his incarnation... He is the ladder between heaven and earth. So I want you to think again about all those friends of that paralyzed man who busted up that roof and lowered that man right down to Jesus for help and healing. What a beautiful picture of the church, isn't it? And then I want you to remember the words of Jesus who proclaimed, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open." And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Because that's exactly what we see in our gospel today. And it's exactly what we see in our lives with one another 
at this altar. Folks, you better believe this morning that the Lord still has power on earth to forgive sins. And he does it. And you better believe that he'll take care of every other need that you have as well. This morning, we give thanks for all those who have carried us to Jesus throughout our lives and continue to do so. Our parents, our spouses, our friends, even the angels who guide us to church. For it's here that God provides the healing medicine that we all need to bring about our resurrection on the last day. So that with Jacob, we can rejoice and say, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. amen.